The witness looked and saw nothing in the window. He then went to get some candy from a bowl in the living room, and that's when he observed a claw coming in through the window, palm facing down, as if it was trying to push the window up. The witness clearly saw three fingers. The middle finger was the longest. Years later, he claimed the fingers reminded him of the claws of the creature in Krampus, specifically the scene where he pointed his finger into the woman's face. He screamed in fright, which woke up the grandfather. The creature also screamed. The grandfather went into fight mode and proceeded to hit the creature's fingers with his gun. The witness grabbed a knife from nearby and also stabbed at the fingers. At that moment, the grandmother rushed into the room and turned on the outside light, which lit up the yard. The witness could see the creature clearly standing in the window. He even looked into its eyes. The creature took off running just as the grandfather raised his gun to shoot it. According to the witness, the creature appeared to be angry and was growling as it ran. The witness acknowledged that he had wet himself during the exchange. At some point, the grandmother stated that the creature had returned. It's back, she said, which surprised the witness. They proceeded to tell him that the creature had been seen around the property three years earlier, but had left. They assumed it had been killed. It had only started appearing again some two weeks earlier. This upset the witness as he had been playing on the property and should have been alerted to it. The grandparents told him that in 1974, the grandfather was in a deer stand bow hunting when a strange creature attempted to climb the tree and enter the stand through a door latch. The grandfather shot at it and stabbed at it, but it never stopped coming. Eventually, it attempted to poke its nose through the opening in the stand. That's when the grandfather stabbed it in the nose. It managed to get a paw through and slash the leg of the grandfather. The creature fled after that. The scar was visible on the nose of the creature standing at the window. As well, the grandfather also had a scar on his leg. The grandfather claimed he waited in the stand for three hours before feeling safe enough to climb down and leave. They had never heard of a dogman at that time, so they just referred to it as the werewolf. From MysteriousUniverse.org. Salutations to all you fine folklore-loving people out there in the hinterlands. By now, I'm sure y'all know, it's your boys Rock and Max, and as always, we're going to be your guys as we trek through the wilds for round two of Dogmen. Because you guys demanded it. They sure did, Maxie. Well, first, a big hello to all you people out there. Thanks for joining us. Max got the best manners, folks. And as always, please take that quick moment to rate and review and follow our little podcast, gang. Or... Do us one better, and just take a minute to write a few kind words. And please grant us that boon of that oh-so-sacred five-star review. And don't forget to please share our podcast with those in your circle who you think would enjoy it. All right, gang. 
Our Dogman episode was pretty well received, and we've gotten more than a few requests for a second round. And we're always down for another round, right, Rock? Yep, I usually am, Maxie, but in a very responsible sort of way. (laughs) The first story was awesome, and it took place in rural West Virginia, right? Yeah, yeah, back in the 70s, apparently. And the witness's grandpa had told him that he'd been seeing strange animals around the property. I'd count a dogman as a reasonably strange animal. Yeah, definitely. And it seems like it wanted revenge on the grandpa. It's strange, dude. And that's what's scary. You know, like strange, dangerous, otherworldly, scary as hell. Yeah, dude, all those things apply, I'd say. And, uh, you know, if the creature is sentient enough to want revenge, oh, hell no. Yeah, the fact... That it was trying to get in? Yeah, dude, that's super messed up. But for me, it was the way it was trying to get in, right? All stealthy-like. Like, you can just see it in your mind's eye, the long claws trying to lift up the window. Yep. Yeah, that's straight out of a horror movie right there. Totally. What do you do if you see that? I mean... Hey, you'd like to think you'd be all cool, grab your silver sword and lop off the long claw to him, but I don't know, man. I mean, the witness wet himself. That's real fear, man. Yeah, you know, we could always go the route of keeping the Kushtak and the Aswang away. Just fling the pee, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. That's hilarious. As our listeners know, both the Land Otter Man out of Clinket myth and the Aswang of Filipino legend both hate urine getting flung at them. I mean, for some reason. (laughs) Those weirdos. Yeah. Any port in a storm, as we are wont to say, gang. And as you know, Max, it was lucky the kid, dude, he just had a sweet tooth in the middle of the night. You know, he was raiding the candy bowl and he saw the monster and, you know, roused the alarm. True. That sweet tooth might just have saved all their lives. Yeah. Shall we move on to another story? Let's do it, man. And for some context on the next story, gang, which we found over at Mysterious Universe, uh, this took place in New Mexico right outside Albuquerque in the Sandia Mountains where some hikers apparently encountered a large brown bear. Hope they had some bear spray or some anti-werewolf spray at the very least. Anti-werewolf spray. Could that be the colloidal silver all the cool kids are taking right now? (laughs) Hey, that stuff works, man. As I watched the bear run away out of some trees to the right of it, I saw a very strange, and I mean very strange, person walking, going opposite of the bear. Its stride was like something I've never seen, especially a normal person do. For every step it took, there must have been four to five feet in between each step, which means that I was looking at something very tall. Its back was hunched over, and at first I thought maybe he was carrying a backpack. I mean, my mind was going 100 miles a minute, trying to figure out exactly what I was looking at. Then I realized it wasn't a backpack, but a man's back. Then I saw how strange the color of the man was. At this point, I had no idea I wasn't actually looking at a man. Its color was gray, purple, and dark brown. There seemed to be patches of what looked like to me purple, but who knows what I was looking at. It didn't turn and look at me, but kept at a very fast pace walking down what we eventually saw was the path. I said to Michael how weird this fellow was, but he couldn't see him. I then pointed to the location of where he went, and as we walked in that direction, that is when a horrible feeling hit us both in the gut. Something told both of us to stay back. It was a clear message, 
and one I was willing to ignore, but not Michael. I wanted to go down the path further, but he said it was just too dangerous. I must say, the feeling in our gut was like a punch, almost a nauseating feeling. It affected our heart rates and our adrenaline was racing. I could feel my heart beat all over my body. It was at this point I decided to take photos in the direction of the strange hiker had gone. It was in one of these photos that we captured what turned out to be Dogman. He was standing and watching us as we were trying to figure out what to do next. We didn't smell him at all. He didn't have an odor any more than the bear did. But I must say, we sure did feel him. So I like the fact that these two people that encountered this dog man, they couldn't tell that it was a dog man. Uh, that's just some hunched over dude with a backpack. <laughs> right. Hunchbacks exist, okay? Dude, I'm, I know. But I'm just saying, I think we'd be able to differentiate a dog man from like a dude with a backpack. <laughs> the folks out there in the Hinterlands film me. You know, but the interesting thing is the feeling that they got, man, that spidey sense kicked in, that whatever gut punch. When, that they felt when they tried to follow it? That sixth sense, agreed. Lucky for her, Michael listened to it, and they went the opposite way. Wise move. Good job, Michael. You know, who knows what would have happened? Listen to your instincts, gang. Agreed. But the thing is, this sighting doesn't really end here, y'all. This woman stayed in some sort of communication with the dogman and was even able to eventually learn his name. He had a name? That's a civilized, upright, walking canine right there. (laughs) Was his name Rex? That's a solid dogman name right there. Close. His name was Tulak. Tulak. I think he was on Star Trek. And the story goes on. Tulak has relayed interesting information to me. The most obvious is that they don't think like humans. They understand their place in the forest, and they don't put out their threatening stance to other animals in the forest, except for when they hunt. As far as how they interact with each other, he stated that they have an understanding with each other. He preferred his solitude and said he didn't stay with any group, but knew where they roamed. He was, to me, obviously intelligent beyond just a beast in the woods. He distrusted humans, extremely, as do most cryptids. He didn't go into more detail than this, but I'm pretty sure that what we see on TV with werewolf movies isn't even close. He said that he and the large brown bear have been hanging around for years. People have put human issues and temperaments to other creatures and beings that have nothing to do with them at all. From MysteriousUniverse.org You know, it must be nice to do shrooms and then, uh, you know, <laughs> report dogman sites. <laughs> I'm just joking, gang. Okay, man, now who knows if this is true? But I love the fact that a dogman and a bear are like besties, you know, just hanging out in the wilderness, snacking on deer and the odd ignorant hiker that doesn't listen to a sixth sense to get the hell out of the area. That's good times right there, gang. Yeah, that's good team building right mm-hmm. there. <laughs> oh, that's funny. The woods are mysterious. Or mountains in this case. Agreed. You know, missing 411 gang. Yeah, super mysterious. That's all fey abduction is what that is. (laughs) Feel like you're being led astray on those wilderness trails? 
Hey, take off your clothes, put them on inside out. Maybe leave a crust of bread on the path. You know, say you're sorry. Just might work. Who knows, Maxie? Like, that's a solid theory as any. And as we say, as a pod for another day, and as we also say, any port in a storm, do what you got to do to get out. But, you know, let's talk about some theories on the dogman. I'm not sure, but I don't think we touched on this in our first episode. Lead on. I know you love this topic. I do. So one school of thought. It's a real flesh and blood creature out there in the world, you know, just an undiscovered part of our natural world. Possible. Just an alpha predator out there going about its business and mostly leaving people alone. Mm. Minus the whole trying to get into people's homes thing. Yeah, true. Okay, so two, that it's some sort of spiritual creature or entity from beyond the veil able to step through to our realm, interact with us in whatever way they like, and then go back home. I suppose it's possible. The thing is, we find evidence of dinosaurs, but we haven't yet been able to find the same sort of evidence to support the existence of Dogman or Bigfoot, for that matter. True. Still possible. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm assuming they come through portals and go back to whatever plane they're from, you know? Uh, That could be why we never recover any remains. Same with Bigfoot, you know, if you believe in Bigfoot. I mean, that's definitely a theory, I guess. Who's to say? And, you know, we can talk about Skinwalker Ranch. That's a whole different thing. Portals, creatures coming through, Mm -hmm. you know, but Max, I like that open mind right there. And, you know, another school of thought is that they're lost members of the Cenocephaly tribe. I think I'm saying that right. Basically dog-headed men. And the ancients from China to Greece to India and Egypt and beyond, they all had stories of encounters with these dog-headed men. Didn't Marco Polo supposedly encounter some on his travels? It mm. sounds kind of familiar. It's totally possible. It sounds like I've read that. And the thing is, some of these dog-headed men had their own societies, like wore clothes that could talk. You said some, not all? No, because according to some, according to the lore, there were some tribes that were very fierce and wild, you know? Feral dog, man. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) I mean, maybe they were skinwalkers. Well, maybe if the encounters were on like a reservation, but the encounters with dogmen, which initially were first reported by the great Linda S. Godfrey. We love her. Totally, man. She first kind of broke the dogman story over 30 years ago when she started reporting on the infamous Beast of Bray Road, Mm -hmm. which is in your old stomping grounds in Wisconsin. Wasn't Michigan an early hotspot as well? You are correct. You know, so what I'm getting at is even though the sightings may have originated in that area, but now it seems, you know, to be a worldwide thing like this phenomenon, these dogman sightings are, these reports are coming in from everywhere. Who, 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 who let the dogs out? <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> who let the dogman out? That's a good question, though. You know? no, but seriously, I'd like to get back to them being entities from the other side, so to speak. All right. We talked about it before, maybe in the first volume of this, of Dogman, like mm. them feeding off fear, or maybe that was Skinwalkers, I can't remember. I think that was Hags, actually. But, but we know some veil-striding entities of that sort are at least thought to feed off of fear, like there's yeah, that, that theory. No, that is a super good theory, man. And there are a lot of encounters where folks have seen him, and they're like so horrified but the creature didn't attack, you know? And it could explain why attacks don't happen as often as they should with the amount of sightings. I mean, Linda Godfrey has done a ton of research, and according to her, she hasn't come across any attacks. But just think of the amount of fear and dread these encounters created in those poor folks that saw the creatures. Yeah. 
like you're at home burning the midnight oil, maybe editing your podcast or whatever you do. <laughs> you glance out your window and see this being just looking at you. Now that's like a veritable feast of fear, dude. Like I would, I would be so scared. And like I said, man, that's a solid theory, Maxie. So what are your thoughts? You know, gang, I, I think it honestly could be both otherworldly creatures and or natural undiscovered predators. I mean, when you think about it, it's mind boggling because, and let's be real, these things are in essence, if they do exist, are werewolves. Right. And how long has werewolf lore been around? Literally thousands of years, like since civilization has existed, you know? Yeah. And, you know, like I said, man, where there's smoke, there's fire. Good point. And like you said, it's not like a totally new thing. Dogman just has a less negative baggage attached to it, which is why we tend to use it in modern society compared to werewolf. True. Or upright walking canines, if you want to go there. And, you know, like we said before, when you say werewolf, people are going to think you're a few sandwiches short of picnic. But regardless, according to the lore, these creatures have been around us forever. And sightings are increasing. Do you think they're just getting bolder? Or is it the fact that we're now all running around with high def cameras in our pockets? Mm. What do you think? Well, as uh, you'll remember from our first episode on Dogman, sightings may have increased, but photographic evidence really hasn't. That's right. It's like, at least according to some of the lore, some dogmen seem to not worry too much about guns or weapons. But when yeah. you whip out your phone, they don't like that and take off. Although that wasn't evident in the earlier story we listened to. Yeah. Uh, you know, from, from what we hear, it does kind of go along that path. So they'll, they'll leave when you, you know, take out your camera or you'll get some sort of telepathic message basically relaying to you, hey, don't take that picture, or I can really hurt you. I can kill you. A lot of witnesses have felt that. Yeah. And on that fun note, <laughs> let's get into another story. Will do. But first, gang, for some context on this story, this takes place in the infamous LBL, or the land between the lakes in Kentucky and Tennessee. Sightings of the monster were still frequent throughout the beginning of the 20th century, and the elderly group on the bench told some unsettling encounters they or members of their own families had had with it. Each one told stories of finding livestock slaughtered, ripped to pieces and eaten, cows and pigs with their legs dismembered from the sockets. Even a few horses had met their end with savage attacks upon their bodies. A few of them described what they saw at different times when they caught glimpses of the figure by peeking out of the curtains of windows into the night. One man said it jumped out of one of the horse stalls one evening while he was putting up the animals. It stopped in front of him, arms spread out like it was getting ready to grab him. It let out a howl and then sprang past him into the dusky shadows of the sunset. This particular man said he wet his overalls during the episode. Another man said he'd never seen it, but would always hear its baleful wails frequently at night. Not like a regular wolf or a coyote. No, he said. It was deeper, longer, stronger sounding than what would come out of any animal I've ever heard. Another old timer said his wife had seen it, trying to get into the chicken coop, but gave up after getting tangled in the chicken wire. 
They all had tales of someone's hound getting killed, ripped apart limb from limb, someone's pig or cow or chicken getting eaten, mysterious footprints left in mud, and the stench it left behind wherever it had appeared. got some great stories. Am I right? Hey, you got to listen to the old timers. They got the knowledge and the LBL has some serious folklore coming out of that region, especially when it comes to cryptid sightings. Now, our next story requires some background as well. And it's, you know, somewhat controversial. Some folks believe it, others don't. I mean, I guess that could be said of every story, really. True enough, man. So this story was told by one Jan Thompson, and this happened to she and her cousin Joe back in 1978. In the LBL, after Joe had been out riding his little dirt bike by the abandoned sawmill by their house. And the story starts with Cousin Joe kind of hauling butt back to the house like the devil himself was on his tail. He comes zooming over the hills and down the dirt road before jumping off his bike in front of the house, only to look behind him. Nothing good can happen at abandoned old sawmills, right? And, you know, nothing good did happen, as we'll see. We followed his gaze, not understanding what this episode was all about. In silence, we watched him for about 30 seconds, and then the dog started barking, growling, and then whining, trying to get out of the pen in a frantic panic of digging and gnawing at the fencing. It grabbed me! Look at my leg! Joe screamed, making us jump with alarm at the sound of his voice. We looked down at his Levi's and saw scratch marks going across his right thigh. Scratches that tore through the tough denim and left small bloody marks on his skin. The marks were like a bear claw rake. Not those caused by branches or sticky bushes, but a definite wide pattern of a paw print. It walked on two legs. His voice startled us again, and he was trying to tell a story in between huge gulps of air. He was frightened beyond belief, and the bits and pieces of what he was striving with the extreme effort to tell us was coming out in loud syllables that filled us both with the same dread. It was following me through the woods, along the path, from the old sawmill. Hairy. It was so hairy. And its snout was so long, and it walked on two legs. It ran on two legs. His voice was sputtering, slowing, his eyes were still wide and I could see the pulse of his heartbeat throbbing under the skin of his temples. So, Cousin Joe was scared. Yeah, it seems to be the case, huh? So, something definitely happened to him, some sort of attack, he was hysterical, bleeding from a set of wounds. If this happened, it was no joke. Totally agree, man. And so the story goes that not long after, the kids were looking back at the woods, that a long howl pierced the air around them. And right after that, this monster crept out of the forest. A dogman? Or werewolf. Damn. So were the penned up dogs just going nuts? Were they okay? (laughs) Of course you'd ask that, the dog lover that you are. You know it. Love me some pups. So yeah, according to Jan, the dogs were going nuts in, you know, like a panic trying to dig their way out of their uh, pens. They were just trying to get out of the area, you know. Poor puppies. They sensed whatever it was out there. 
So this creature advances toward the house and kids, and you know the kids lock themselves in the house, like go old school and throw furniture in front of the doors, grab knives out of the kitchen, and are looking outside through the windows. And they get a really good glance, you know, when this thing is in front of a window and activates the security light. You know, big, long snout, very wolfish, this giant bipedal wolf-like creature. Damn. And no witcher around to save the day. You got to toss a coin to your witches. So they hear it around the house, man. I just wanted to hear you say Growling and scratching and the dogs are, you know, going nuts. And it's not until the ant comes home with groceries that the thing leaves. And uh, apparently the next morning they find huge paw prints near one of the windows that had like, you know, I guess she had potting soil on it. Yeah. I straight up, let me just say, would have just moved out. Yeah. And in case you asked, the dogs were, were fine, Max. <laughs> okay, gang, this happened in the land between the lakes. Okay. Canceling my Airbnb. <laughs> Coincidentally, we always have trips planned to these places. And then we just hear about it and we're like, we're out. <laughs> we're, we're just going to stay put. And y'all, this is not the most controversial story about an encounter in the area. Another one involves a family that was apparently butchered by some unknown animal. The lore goes that the authorities kind of kept us under wraps, this whole, you know, family being slaughtered. But it's pretty gory. And if it's true, man, they out the woods, everybody. Man, I'm mostly okay with that. Yeah. And, you know, there are some hardcore individuals in the paranormal community that regularly go into the LBL, like hunting for dogmen. Barton Nunnally, whose book Inhumanoids is awesome, by the way. Uh, Lyle Blackburn, Nick Redburn, you know, Gerhard, all the OG cats, man, those guys go hunting. Who else? Uh, t- let me see. Uh, Tony from the Confessionals podcast. And uh, Austin's own uh, Josh uh, Wolf from the Paranormal Roundtable. I don't think he's going to go, but I know I listen to his pod and I know he's willing to get out there and mix it up. <laughs> That's a great show right there. Yeah, yeah, dude. We got to show love for the other ATX Paranormal pods. Check them out, gang. It's a good thing we're armchair researchers, Rock. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd have to strap on the armor, silver swords, proton packs, mm-hmm. don't cross the streams. Silver bullets. <laughs> Got to be ready to go, right? Yeah, no, never, nah. Good luck to all you intrepid explorers out there in search of upright walking canines. Or werewolves, as you may want to call them. Werewolves. Set it on, Max. You're trying to scare the kids. <laughs> it's my job. Done and done. Speaking of, are we done, Rock? As Maxie just said, we are done. And thank y'all for hanging out with us again. We surely appreciate it. If you'd like more nightmares and daydreams please consider supporting the podcast by going over to patreon.com slash nightmares podcast. Fun bonus content awaits. And gang, join us on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Holla at you boys, please. Teresa Joy, the best bard in the biz, is in charge of all the music and production of our pod. Find and follow her, our amazing bard, at Biobright on Facebook and Instagram. And please join us at our own damn website at nightmarespodcast.net. You got a story? We want it. For sure. Grow on down, spot the wolves at the bottom, and submit your story game. Please do. Or, if you like, you can just email us at nightmarespodcast at gmail.com. Press that easy button, y'all. Finally, everybody, thanks for hanging out with us. Be good to each other. Watch out for Dogman. And... Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.